0: Welcome to Listener, a crew podcast. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Today's guest is Rasool Barry. Rasool works with Crew City, and he's also a pastor at a church in Brooklyn. We're all still practicing social distancing during this pandemic, and we can't actually travel around the world like we used to, at least right now. But Rasool's here to tell us about a project he's involved with, a video series called In Pursuit of Jesus, which allows us to take a virtual cultural journey across the world in search of Jesus today. Enjoy the show.
1: And so, I so being a student at Reform now gives me access to the Redeemer Office.
0: So, do you mix it up with Tim Keller sometimes?
1: I've had two classes with him so far. That's cool. Um, I was at a I was on a panel with him it was a recruiting panel for the seminary and so I got to refer to his yeah so he like knows who I am refers to me by name it's pretty cool um and I've gotten to do some deep dive reading and listening to him and it's been amazing because I have such great appreciation for how he thinks and how he understands God's word and culture and things like that and so it's been a great um experience
0: Awesome. I mean, so you're kind of a big deal. You're a bigger deal than ever. <laughs> you, just, you just hang out from with Tim Keller. It's not a big deal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody's a big deal.
1: And Speaking of big deals, I think. I mean, when what number uh, podcast host was I?
0: I I didn't even look, and I should have. I mean, pretty early on.
1: Yeah, I think I think when we had talked, I don't know if. I would be surprised if it was more than five.
0: Yeah, I know. I think that's true. Yeah. So, hey, listen, I think I've only had one other staff that's been on the show twice. So, Uh, Rasul, you are in an elite club, just like you are on Yelp. You're now in the (laughs) listener (laughs) podcast (laughs) elite group.
1: Yes, that's great. That's great.
0: Which I loved. And now, just to segue into your your pot docu series that I've been starting to watch, uh, one thing I noticed was that there was a lot of food involved—the eating of good food—and I thought, I remember this: that Rasul is very into Yelp and restaurants. You also have some dietary things that are particular to you, so. Uh-huh. Tell us about kind of, yes. the, as an entry point into this conversation, tell us about the food that you've eaten in five continents in five months.
1: Yep. Oh, man. It, that was one of the most fun things about being a part of In Pursuit of Jesus uh, and this, this whole journey through this series was we wanted to not only look at how different people from around the world thought about and experienced jesus we also wanted to really get a deep dive into the aspect of culture and you can't talk about culture without talking about food and so uh that was a very exciting and enjoyable um part of the journey um and so like for example in our first so we recorded first in uh new york and so i got the chance to get behind the counter in a real uh brooklyn italian pizzeria second generation owned and learned how to flip a pizza which was a lot of fun um in sweden uh i got a food tour with like an official person who this is what they do and uh it was an amazing i mean i had the best salmon that i've ever had in my life like okay and even pickled herring which when i hear the name doesn't really I was really scared to try it because I didn't want to really, like, gag or something in front of (laughs) the person. But it was good there. Like, everything, it was really good. And um, so, yeah, Sweden, the uh, salmon was exceptional. In Singapore, they have these hawker markets that they're known for where Singapore because of the fusion of Malay culture, Chinese culture, Indonesian culture, English culture, you have this incredible fusion of things that um, that really um, only exist there like chili crab and, and uh, you know this like unique style chicken and rice that they do. but these Hawker markets is just you go there and it's just market after market after market and everybody in the city, It's like, this is the best place to eat, even though it's really cheap. So that was unique. In Argentina, they're known for their steak. And it was the best pieces of meat I have ever experienced in my entire life. Wow. Uh, It was just remarkable. And uh, so that was cool. And then in South Africa, true to its, you know, very eclectic, diverse you know, um, roots, uh, they call themselves the Rainbow Nation. Uh, we, uh, But I hung out with a guy there named Wena, uh, and he introduced me to Poiki, which is kind of this stew, which is this, like, Dutch influence with African influence, and it's just, like, got a bunch of different things in it. But it was a cold, like, rainy day, and it was the perfect meal, like, comfort food. Um, and then in Israel, I mean, uh, the hummus and the different you know like falafel like i i can't eat hummus like store-bought stuff like you national and yeah i can't do it anymore after having it there some of the best hummus and pita and uh, other great offerings that they had um saint peter's fish was a unique one that i had that's what they call tilapia and they have yeah. it in this like tomato based stew so i don't i know we don't want to talk about other things but Yes. So all those were all the kind of classic spots that I got to experience and taking a lot of pictures and eating a lot of food. And unfortunately, with that gaining some weight,
0: too, Oh, (laughs) it happens. Yeah. You didn't take enough steps to just burn Mm. it off. No. Well, uh, it sounds delicious, but let's just go back to the beginning and let me ask you this. Why did you start this worldwide vlog? called In Pursuit of of Jesus. And was it a crew project, a bridge? Is that the name of your church? The bridge? Bridge
1: Church. Bridge Church.
0: What, was it a hybrid? Tell us about that.
1: So um, I actually got a a text message from a former staff person named Matt Brubaker, um, who worked with Jesus Film while he was with crew, who now works with our Daily Bread Ministries. And Matt um, texted me like, hey, is this your number? I hadn't talked to him in like six years. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, hey, can we talk? I want to throw an opportunity by you. And I was like, sure. And then he we talked and he said, hey, we are um, looking for a host for this documentary uh, called In Pursuit of Jesus that will kind of explore, you know, who Jesus is to different people around the world and through the lens of their culture, would you be interested going to, you know, these five different countries? And I'm like, Oh, that sounds amazing. Of course. And especially when I got into the details of it and and heard more of the vision from the director, uh, Philip, um, Palacios, who was just an incredible, it's become a close friend of mine too. Like the thing that really like resonated with me was the fact that moving from Indiana to New York, uh, to go from you know ministry from there with crew to to with city in a place like New York City like it has stretched and changed expanded I would say my perspective on who Jesus is just from being in a place where it's just different sensibilities different perspectives people from around the world people when you're sharing your faith have different questions other Christians have different points of view and and that has really, challenged me in um, in some good ways and in some hard ways. and so the idea of what would it look like to actually encounter people from all over the world in their spaces and see what was the true essence of Jesus and what was just some of my American culture. Uh, or Christian culture in America that was coming out that was uniquely important to me in light of the journey that I had already been on for the last few years in New York City and um, and so the two of those things came together and so uh, I was able to you know get a green light when I shared it with uh, the, the leadership of crew and they were like yeah this sounds like a project that will help people know more about who Jesus is and get the word out about that. And so we're supportive of that. Um, And so, yeah, you know, go ahead and do it. And so it was, it's a, our daily bread ministries project, which I didn't even know that they did stuff beyond the booklets that I remember, you Mm -hmm. know, when I first came to faith in high school and and whatnot, but they have a a very uh, robust, like video department, they have digital offerings that I didn't know about. And so this kind of, exposed me to that part of them so it's our daily bread ministries project that i got the chance to sign up to be a part of
0: well it's very well done i mean i've only watched one episode new york but the production quality is high and it was i mean you're great on camera and the editing was well done and everything about it so kudos to daily bread ministries the quality Mm -hmm. is exceptional and as far as the content, so here's one thing I wanted to ask you, and it's a quote from the New York episode. Uh-huh. You were taught, well, it's an Imago Day type quote. You said something like, even if I'm not talking to someone who doesn't agree with me about Jesus, I can still learn something from anyone about Jesus because everyone's made in God's image. So that was kind of the quote that stuck out with me. And I just wanted to hear like, do you have an example of that from from your filming, time filming the
1: series? Yeah, that's a great question. And that was something that really kind of was a provocative thought and something that I began, uh, that began to really be surfaced as I continued to encounter people. Uh, One of the probably most memorable experiences I had with in that regard, I think it's the sixth episode in Israel and I'm talking to a artist named Rami and Rami would identify as a non-religious Jew, right? Like a, a Jewish a person born of Jewish descent who does not actively, you know, observe his a uh, faith or religion. Um, And yet, when I was talking to him, and I asked him something like, well, who is Jesus to you, right? Like, who is the person of Jesus to someone like you? And he said, well, you know, what I understand from what, like, Christians believe about Jesus, like, he's like, I'm Jewish. And so we value Moses, and we see him as an important person and someone who gave teaching that a lot of people, especially more observant people, follow but that's different than how I hear Christians talk about Jesus. You guys talk about Jesus like, like he's with you, like not just that he's taught some things that you uh, appreciate, but that like he's like, I might be wrong, I might be wrong what I'm saying, this, but it's like, like he's with you, like like he guides you. And there's, and and I'm sitting there listening to this man articulate the mystery of the incarnation and the. Amazing. And he's like, uh, you know, he's like, man, I, I, I long for that. Like that sense of like God is can be with you and actually s- direct your steps and guide you in your life. Um, that's something he was like that. I, I wish I have that. I envy that about you. And it was just this moment where it wasn't like it was a truth that I hadn't heard before. But hearing someone search for words to describe the mystery of the incarnation that i believe in even though they don't necessarily believe in it themselves was this powerful it like it landed on me on a deeper level it it was weightier to me as a result of it and uh there were multiple uh experiences like that all over um that i had in pretty much every place i went to um you know uh, one last example i give uh in singapore i talked to a guy named hardy who uh, you know, was definitely not, you know, a Christian or anything. He kind of comes from a Malay, which pretty much is synonymous in most cases with Muslim background. And I just approached him on the street because I wanted to talk to a Malay person. Most of the people there are ethnically Chinese, like 75 percent. So all of our interviews, almost all the Christians were. Um were Chinese uh, ethnicity and so I wanted to talk to someone from a Malay background just to get another perspective and I just come up to him I approach him on the street like hey I'm my name is Rasul I'm from America like can I talk to you and he immediately was like yeah I'm going to go eat you want to come eat with me and there was this aspect of hospitality of Jesus like when I read John 1 right and then the, uh, John's disciples start following him and he's like what, would, what are you seeking and they're like hey where are you staying and he immediately says come and see and it was like Hardy was like, "Come and see." Just, hmm. He just immediately invited me in, and that's something that we don't do in New York. It's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, do I know? I don't. You don't know me, but can I talk to you?" It's like, uh, "No, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna keep moving. <laughs> I don't know who you are, and you know what I mean. I don't know what your, you know, what your agenda." So, so that's not something that I experienced here, but it was something that was very impactful to experience there.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I remember right after college, I was living with a friend, and she was not a Jesus follower. I was, and she knew I was. And I remember having this discussion with her where I I had planned on lying about to someone about something. I was thinking through how I was going to handle a certain situation. I had decided I needed to lie to mm-hmm. this person we both knew. And I remember her saying, like, well, no, you can't do that because it's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking well, why do you care? I mean, I'm I'm following Jesus, but, but you're not. And just to see, I think, even morality, like just yeah. between two human beings, she was like, yeah. no, no, no. Like God's design for the world is mm-hmm. that we're going to tell other human beings the truth, you know, and especially you, Sam. If you're oh. telling me you're a Jesus follower, then you, especially you, you can't lie. So yeah, I love that. Just God's image showing up in everyone.
1: Right. Yeah, that aspect of common grace uh, mm-hmm. that I think we underappreciate sometimes, and but I got to experience, you know, uh, in, in a very deep way.
0: Yep, love that. Okay, so Rami, you said he wasn't necessarily identifying at the time as a Jesus follower. So... No, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. So uh, were you mostly talking to Jesus yeah. followers or to non-Jesus followers? Yeah, mo-
1: mostly. Most of the people there, uh, because through the relationships that we had, and we did want to, um, I think, specifically uh, engage in a question of, like, ooh, Why does Jesus matter to someone who follows him in this devoted way? Not just somebody who thinks, oh, he's a good person, but like you uh, see him as a savior, as, as, you know, as your king. Like, how does that make sense in your culture? So when you raise the bar that level, it gets really interesting to see how people have worked through their own cultural paradigms and still embrace Jesus as Lord. Um, So that's the majority of the people that we talk to. Um, but not everybody. And, uh, and and especially when we went into some like the, more of the cultural spaces um, where we were just trying to get an experience of the place that we were living in. It was less. So like in Sweden, one of the uh, we spent a lot of time with this guy named Daniel, who uh, lives on the bottom of a mountain and built his house from scratch is a a. a, a He's kind of like their version of a Nobel laureate, like a folk. He's an a, a officially commissioned folk violinist from Sweden and uh, just this very unique and interesting person who in many ways embodies a lot of the Swedish um, values of the, of nature and the outdoors. But then in a lot of ways is countercultural to uh, swedish values and how much how social he is and that le- not as individualistic and so it was just really an important and a fascinating we spent a lot of time talking to him and uh yeah even though the spiritual side is was not something that was a shared point of reference but he was a window into a culture that uh we wanted to explore and so in that sense it was helpful too
0: so Singapore, South Africa, Sweden, all these different places. How did you decide where you were going to go?
1: Yeah, well that was the easy one for the most part. Like most of the uh so it, and you and you'll see this um if when you look at the videos uh like um inpursuitofjesus.net like the some of the so there's these 24 minute episodes. And then there's like what we call devotional videos, which are more meditations, um, bibl- like biblically based meditations based on the culture of the place. The, the, the um, And in those smaller videos on the website, you'll see that it'll say, for example, in pursuit of Jesus, the good man, the good man. And the theme in a place like New York was what is goodness in a morally relative place where people tend to think of goodness as something that's subjective. So in um, Argentina, we looked at what does it mean, this idea of revolution, of um, liberation, is very big in Argentina because of the uh their own history as a country and them being liberated by from spain as well as the political upheaval that they've experienced so the you know what does it mean to jesus to be a liberator right and that whole aspect of that theme in uh, singapore we looked at the question of jesus the spiritual lead leader the spiritual guide singapore is the most religiously diverse nation in the world um and so what does it mean to follow Jesus as a spiritual leader in a place where there's so many options? Um, in South Africa, we looked at Jesus, the rescuer. Um, and so each of these places had unique significance. Sweden um, is the most secular nation in the world. Um, and so what does it look like to think about Jesus in a place that's so secular? Um, so each place had a, a meaning that was tied to a theme that we wanted to draw out that seemed pretty different and extreme and maybe even not something that we think about in the American context of how we think about Jesus and then shining a light on that aspect of who Jesus is and then, you know, looking that up and lifting that up. So that's how the different countries, and we knew we wanted to go to, you know, Europe, you know, South America, Africa, you know, Asia, um, and, uh, obviously the States and then, you know, um, you know, to Israel. So those things kind of played into it as well.
0: So tell us about, because in crew, uh, one of our four main priorities is the world. So you have had this global tour interacting with lots and lots of people. Tell us what some of your takeaways just as yeah. you traveled around the world, I mean, you must have learned so much interacting with all these different people from yeah. different cultures, different worldviews.
1: Yeah. I think the first thing that it taught me was the importance of listening. You know, in Proverbs, is, you know, be slow to speak and quick to listen. And I think, especially when you're so, when you have so much ministry training to know what to say in a certain, you know, scenario or a certain moment it can be easy for me to just jump right into speaking and not into listening. But especially when you're in a cultural context that's different from your own, um, which because of our increasingly diverse world, that's all of us when we walk out the door, um, it's increasingly important to listen. Listen as a form of evangelism. I would say listening is the, the most important skill set that you need to do as an evangelist, um, as a discipler. Like how many times if we just ask the, the, the extra question, will we get to a place of greater understanding? Um, so that's the one thing is just that it, when you, you, you start to meet people from all over the world and you realize how much you don't know you know what I mean? how much they have awareness of and so there was a, a definitely a place where that humbled me and even as a person that you know cameras are on, are on me and we're wanting to try to capture this moment but I just started to realize as I went through the, the process more that I just needed to ask more questions I needed to think through of more what they were saying and, and be less scripted in my attempt to take the conversation to a certain place, Mm -hmm. even though I knew I I wanted the conversation to get to the person of Jesus. And so, uh, yeah, I would say listening was one thing. The second thing that really stuck out to me was how unique it is. And this is something we take for granted, I think, when you hear the story in a culture where the majority of people have Christianity as their is what it means to be religious, even if they're not. And I know, you know, we're in a, in a increasingly secular society uh, with decreasingly, you know, people that identify as Christian. And yet, still, it's different than going to a place like Singapore, where the majority of the people identify as Buddhists, right? Like, so it's just a different point of reference. Um, and so, one of the things I, I found that was fascinating that we tend to take for granted is how unique it is that people all over the world identify Jesus as God. Like, as a human being that walked on the face of the earth and we have a record of his teachings and his actions, and that people from various different cultural paradigms who value very different things all can look at this person and whether they're in South America or in Asia, be like, I believe that person is divine. Not an idea, not a philosophy, not an abstract notion of deity, but an actual human who like that. We can't even agree on who the best president was or who the best artist was or who the best pop singer was. or who. And yet we like people you can talk to. So I'll give you an example why that's fascinating. So I was in Singapore, Singapore is an asian country where that has a high value of the community over the individual high value of authority and and what they call it like a you know kind of confucian ideals of filial piety right like what your parents say and, and what role you have in the society matters more than other things and they, they value order. It was the cleanest place I ever went to, been to, uh, you know, it's, you, it's illegal to chew gum in Singapore, right? Like this sense of conformity for the greater good is what drives the company, the country. And even though you might want to chew gum, it's better for us as a society not to, so we won't do it. Then I go to Argentina, two days later. Argentina, I mean, as soon as I got into the airport, I realized this is a different place. There's just, it's fluid. It's, it's kind of a little bit of chaotic. Um, people tend to eat dinner at 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night at restaurants. We would go to a restaurant at 8 o'clock and it'd be empty because people aren't ready to eat dinner yet. But much more r- relational, much more expressive um, in terms of like the things that they matter to them. And yet these two two people from these two different places still, there's an aspect about Jesus where they see his conformity to God's will in Asia and that and that matters and then there's this aspect in Argentina where they see Jesus and his passion for liberating other people and caring for other people and that matters and that all and they can both say and that's why I see him as God that I think it was something I just kind of took for granted living in the states but then when I started to see it all over the world I was like this is unique and I don't think that there's any other person that I know of that's walked on the face of the earth that people from every continent are like worshiping as God.
0: hmm And is it because of what they're reading in scripture? Is it because of personal encounter with Jesus Christ active yeah. in their
1: life? That, that's, that's the beautiful thing when you ask the question, they're they're going back to a saying of Jesus in the gospel. They're going back to his actions. And when they read the scriptures, Combined with when they apply that into their personal life and scenario, they see and experience something that touches who they are to the deepest level and to their core. And um, and and it's and it, it ties into their story. It ties into, you know, who they are. So there was this powerful moment in Argentina where I'm having dinner with a um, sommelier and which is a, like a wine, professional wine connoisseur and, and critic. And he's a pastor, too. And uh, and so I'm like at the table. And then he starts to unpack. Uh, he was like, see, we're at this table and this is like communion. Like we're drinking together. We're breaking bread. And, and that's the essence of communion. You don't need to just have communion in church. We're having communion as we eat. And he's like and I'm like, I had never thought about it that way. Hmm. I've never thought about the sacredness of what it looks like to share a meal and have fellowship with other believers. And and that it doesn't have to be simply expressed in a liturgical context, but it's something that can be kind of like we can sanctify or ask God to sanctify our space as we eat together in a common meal and and talk about the goodness of our Lord together. That was a unique um, way of looking at things that just expanded my perspective. And I never look at communion the same again.
0: I mean, even hanging out with a pastor who's also a sommelier. That's not going to happen where I come from. (laughs) Those don't go together. (laughs) That blows my mind right there. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, before we move on, I think we can agree that the best pop singer is Lady Gaga. (laughs) Rasul. It's kind of obvious. (laughs) All the time. I mean
1: either neither. I just yeah, really yeah.
0: like her I'm kidding I'm, there's lots of good pop singers
1: <laughs> right 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 <laughs>
0: um, but I do want to circle back to what you said about listening and thank you for plugging my podcast that's the that we are called listener podcast because we value listening to each other and so I love that that's one of your takeaways from the world was the importance of listening and it, it ties in with an interview I did um, last month, I think, with Ron Sanders who you probably know. Spud. Yes. And, yes I know my Yeah. He wrote a book about um, democracy and Christianity in the United States and kind of like, what's the future? And he talked about he thinks it's really important for Jesus followers in America right now in the United States to not be last word people who have to get the last word, but to be, he calls it, creative first word people. And so he talks a lot just about the posture of listening, not having to have the last word when we're in a conversation with someone, but instead having a creative first word about Jesus. And I love that. I I mean, I'd never heard someone describe it that way before, but sometimes it's hard not to have the last word. I mean, culturally, it's it's something yeah. we kind of do. I mean, where I come from.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. And uh, it is a, I think it's a spiritual discipline. Um, I love uh, one of another staff person, uh, Randy Newman's book, Questioning Evangelism. Mm. And the concept of, which we see with Jesus, right? Like there are these interesting moments. There's so many times in the gospels where, like, for example, when they say you can't be the Messiah because you're from Nazareth, where I'm like, Jesus, just tell them, like, no, I'm actually was born in Bethlehem. Like, that would just clear this whole thing up. And he doesn't. He, he, he allows them to have the last word and just let the record speak for yeah. itself. And, I, and I'm like, I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the older I get, and the more I kind of have traveled and and, and interacted with people, you realize a, there is a certain... Power and beauty to um, saying what you you know have to say like what Jesus did, and then letting people do with that what they what they will. And um, and I think one of the examples I see of that is you know like with Nicodemus um, in John chapter three, like we're not sure what happens. Like he asks these questions, Jesus responds, and you don't. It's it's kind of unresolved in the chapter and then a few chapters later you see Nicodemus kind of defend Jesus. And then at the end of the book, you see him, you know, basically identify with him by taking care of his body after he's crucified. And it's kind of that process that Jesus allowed him to go through. And, um, but I think when you are in positions of power, it can be harder to let go of that power and just allow people to land where they are knowing that you've done your job by articulating a certain vision and then letting them figure that out in their humanity. That's a that's a that's a skill set that it's harder to do when you're closer to the center of being able to construct what meaning is for other people, whether they believe it or not.
0: So true. And I mean, Cruise brand promise is journey together. Let's go on a journey together. It's this sense of we're all on in motion and we're all, there's a story that's being written in each one of our lives and we're coming alongside each other and sharing those stories together. And I love what you said about Nicodemus because yeah, I, it's tempting to look at a snapshot and a Bible story and make a snap judgment about someone Jesus interacted with. And I always think of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and was like, Hey, what do I have to do to be saved or inherit eternal life? I think is what he asked. And Jesus says, well, yeah. I mean, you have to, or he's, I think did you would know you're a pastor. He's like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And Jesus yes. is like, you actually yeah. have to give up everything and follow right. me. And it's the story ends and he, he went away sad but I think maybe he only went away sad right then. I mean, maybe he he had heard what Jesus, he had heard the truth Jesus was bringing to him. And so I think I am hopeful for the rich young ruler because he interacted <clears throat> with Jesus and heard the truth from him. Anyway, that's speculation. That's not in the text.
1: Sure. It's not in the text, but uh, there's a lot that's not in the text that, um, that sometimes we get some, Things filled in through church history. Some things, you know, we just don't know, but we get the full story of later. Like, imagine if all you had was the gospel uh, of of um, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. You didn't have John, so you didn't have the restoration of Peter story. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I got Peter guy. He was terrible. He just like totally rejected Jesus and lied three times and said he didn't know him. But then, thankfully, in John, you have the. Mm-hmm. the the restoration story that the other ones don't have. So like if all I had was the gospel of Matthew, my perspective on Peter would be totally different.
0: Yeah. What would they have done with Peter's letters if they didn't? Exactly. I mean, that's interesting. Uh, Rasul in the same vein with listening a reader. I got a question submitted recently from a um, listener and here's their question how can we be better listeners when we don't agree with someone because they say God isn't real?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, I think there's a difference between listening and agreeing. Um, And I think I've experienced that in this journey uh, through in pursuit of Jesus where, Um, it was just funny sometimes just the way things are set up and shaped up is I don't even have time to have a rebuttal because we're moving from one interview to the next and we're only in this I only have like a few days in this city or a day in this city or in this town Um, and uh, but I think the bigger story is I think we have to reimagine what our responsibility is and what I mean by that is you know there's oftentimes the parable of the sower, right? Where you know you you know the sower sowing seeds on different types of ground. There's this agricultural imagery of like there's probably I don't know if there's a more uh, temperamental vocation that you have less control over than farming, right? Like you're at the <laughs> mercy of the weather, of animals, of just even the quality of the seed itself, the soil and all you can do is be faithful and notice your job was well done. I think that, you know, we've moved away from that idea of the sovereignty of God and trusting God in the midst of doubt that people are working through. And and I think some of it like I know i will speak I'll be honest like I remember when I first got, you know, excited about evangelism after going to a uh, winter conference seeing uh, someone who identified as a drug dealer come to faith and being like, okay, I got to share the gospel with everybody because it works. And I remember thinking, if my classmates do not come to faith before I graduate, they're lost forever, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I had that kind of, like, pressure on myself. And then what, what starts to happen is you start to get older, and you start to see some people who were you thought were in the faith and were walking with Jesus stop. And then you see other people who were way, you thought, away from God, start to follow them. In my same class, I saw all of those people. I went back from my 20 year anniversary, uh, and it was just the stories—how different they were. People that I, I was like, "Oh, actually, when I met them, this just happened last May when I was, you know, went to UPenn for my uh, 20 year reunion, and I was, you know, just walking in the parade with a classmate." And I happened to mention something to my own pastor. And she was like, really? Praise God. And that's great. And, and I was like, wait, praise God. What are you talking about? She was like, yeah, when I when you met me, I was in my prodigal season. But I totally had grown up in church. And I was running from God. And then, you know, he, I finally stopped running like five years later. Or, and now I'm back. And I, and I was like, I had no idea. I would have never associated her with that. And so going back to the question of how do you – respond at listen when someone is saying that they don't believe in God you just respond with a different question and just listen okay well you know when how did you come to that conclusion what what are the things that um you know what makes sense to you about the world in light of that what are some things that you struggle with you know what I mean like do you ever wonder like and then they can answer those questions and like wow thank you so much for sharing I appreciate that. And I hope to hear from you more and you can move on from that. And you never know what God will do with that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they might just ask you, well, why do you believe in God? Or sometimes they, but I think you have, this is where we need the spirit of God to give us insight about how to move. Cause sometimes God will call us to respond and give an answer for the faith that's within us. And then other times we're just supposed to be present. You know, if somebody tells me they're, they just had a, a loved one that passed away and that that caused them to question God. I don't know if that's the time for me to launch into my apologetics spiel about the nature of suffering in the world. I think I might just need to listen and go, man, I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. Um, and I know while this may not you may we may not believe the same way I am going to be praying for you. And I do believe that, you know, God cares and I'm sorry that you've experienced that loss and just walk away. But we never can get there if if we're not going under. And usually the backstory is much more interesting and much more meaningful than the actual outcome of the conclusion that somebody draws. That if we just try to respond to the conclusion without going to the backstory, we actually miss the real story that's happening.
0: Amen. Yeah, the story about your friends that you were in school with and then later on seeing like, oh, the some of the people I thought were Jesus followers don't seem like it now. And some of the people I judged as never going to follow Jesus are following him. It's kind of like the rich end ruler, right? Like maybe later he actually didn't go away sad anymore, right? I just really want to believe that Rasul. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. We know that there are rich young rulers today who still walk away sad, and we know that there are some who get to a certain point and they turn back and they go, "There's, there's emptiness in this. This, this, uh, this is meaningless right now. Like, I, you know, I need to find a deeper." meaning for truth and for life and they do respond and um and they change their lives accordingly like we've seen both and so i think what that gives us is a sense of hope to not stop thinking of those people praying for those people looking for opportunities to invite them in but part of i think the new reality in light of the increasing way that people experience or see Christians in the culture and in the world, I think we have to lean more into uh, our teachings on hospitality of kindness, of speaking with people and giving them, even when they are hostile to us, it gives us a better platform to be able to share more uh, clearly and with, uh, you know, like I love that was it Second Peter three fifteen that you know always be ready to give a reason for the uh, hope that is within you, but to do so with gentleness, yeah, and respect. Um, why, so. is in, why, why is the
0: serpents and why is the serpents and gentle yeah. as doves? That exactly. is very hard to do. When You yep. feel like you're as smart as a snake. Yeah. You don't want to be. Yeah. You don't feel like being gentle. Mm. you you got to have the Spirit help you. Um, and that's why we're, Jesus invites us not to separate. Is it the tares? Like, don't separate the tares from the wheats. Like, you right. don't have to decide that right now. I've got it. Yep. You're all going to grow together, and I'll figure it out. I like that. Well... Rasul, are you going to make any more of these?
1: <laughs> you know, um, that's a to be continued. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I, I will wait and see how. I think it depends on some things. Um, obviously, the Lord will reveal it. I will say that um, it has uh, springboarded us into some other projects with our daily bread. Um, one is uh, they have actually this new initiative where in addition to the printed uh, devotionals, they're doing what they call video devotionals, which basically involve, um, you know, someone just with a camera talking about a certain principle idea and then tying it back to scripture. And you just can watch it on your phone in a, kind of a prayer prompt, an act an action prompt that is like a minute long. Um and so I've done a few of those with them. Um, but another thing, I have recently joined the ranks of the podcaster as well. Ooh. Yeah, You got so
0: your own podcast?
1: Yeah, Following Your Footsteps. Good um, for you. Yeah. What's it called? Um, right now, I think this is, I, I don't know if it's officially the final title, but I think it's going to be called Where You're From. Okay. And uh, it's also with uh, our daily bread and myself. So, and the idea of it is to have conversations with people who I think whose voices are important and talking in them talking about how where they're from uh, plays into what they do now and um, what they may be known for, and especially in a ministry kind of culture and faith space. So, so far. We've talked to uh, the largest, uh, the pastor of the largest church in New York City, um, forty-six thousand members. His name is Dr. A. R. Bernard. Uh, we've talked to um, Dr. Eric Mason, who wrote the book "Woke Church." Uh, we've uh, spoken with uh, Akemi Uman and uh, Dr. Christina Edmondson from Truth's Table podcast. Um, We talked to a lot of different folks, and um, I'm actually about to plan plan to uh, talk—my last interview that I'm going to do is with Chris Broussard, who's a uh, sports commentator, formerly with ESPN, now with Fox Sports. And I'm really looking forward to that because I've been a big fan of his. And um, so, yeah, we're going to be engaging with those folks and kind of and it's kind of on the heels of this kind of uh, in pursuit of Jesus um, series. And so that's an immediate thing. Beyond that, uh, we will see what happens. And I I hope because I have a list of other places I'd love to go. Yeah, right. We'd love (laughs) to engage with people. So we'll see.
0: Very cool. So is your podcast in iTunes yet or when will it be?
1: oh no 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 we're still okay. editing like this is like this is my first time announcing it i haven't even po- shared about it on you heard media. it
0: here first people You heard
1: it here first wow
0: exactly. it's exclusive content
1: <laughs> perfect gotta look you up because you were there before in the beginning <laughs> <laughs> i knew you yeah had. so um so it will be on any you know uh service you know itunes and all the other places where you can get Podcast, so, cool. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, let us know when it comes out. I do have one last question for you with the In Pursuit of Jesus video series on through our Daily Bread Ministries. Who is the target audience for this? Like, who's, yeah. who's going to? Who are you thinking about when you were making this yeah. series?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and that was something that continued to drive us as we created it. And I would say that generally speaking, we want this to be able to inspire uh, followers of Jesus and to intrigue uh, people who haven't quite followed Jesus yet, right? Like we wanted it to be accessible enough that you could share it with somebody who appreciates cinematography, appreciates culture, appreciates travel, and that they can have an experience of Okay, you know I'm I'm cool with listening about seeing, seeing this guy journey with Jesus, that they're willing to watch it and it not feel like this very uh, churchy um, type of encounter, um, and so that was the goal. Uh, I would say definitely those, you know, um, I mean we wanted anybody to watch it and read it, but I think my kind of core audience. Those who kind of always kind of resonated with me are definitely like millennials, Gen Z, um, and then my fellow Gen X folks as well. And uh, so that's the, um, that's kind of demographic. Um, And uh, yeah, they can, people can watch it on inpursuitofjesus.net is the website that has all of the content on it. Um, They're all embedded videos from YouTube. One little tip, if they are accessing the series from their phone. Um, And we're trying to work this out, but right now, depending on when they go to see it, the, just to remember that the videos on the bottom are that there's an image with a white play button that actually controls an image above it. So on your phone, you may not see that you have to scroll, like hit play and then scroll up to actually see the YouTube video and watch it from there. But as a person who likes to really experience this medium, I would encourage people to watch it on a bigger screen than a phone because it's just a lot of incredible imagery and, and breathtaking views. I mean, it is. We like, yeah. So I would go. I would say put it on your laptop, throw it up on a Apple TV or Roku, whatever you use, Chromecast. And uh, watch it on TV because I think you'll be able to appreciate the uh, the visuals a lot better that way. But, um, yeah, so they can watch it um, and then also watch the bonus footage and the content that are going to be released um, on those things and share it with yeah. people using the hashtag uh, In Pursuit of Jesus.
0: Yeah. Did you guys go in The Jewel in Singapore? That
1: the what? The Jewel. It's like the
0: fountain in the airport and they built that glass.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, we didn't shoot from there. I saw it when I got, when I landed. Cool. Uh, but yeah, we we did go to um, the sands with the three hotels with the yeah. big Yeah. like a
0: boat top on the top. top. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We, we did uh, go up there. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, took some boat trips and went all the way up to the north and the south of the kind of the, of Singapore. And it was just some beautiful uh, footage. It's called The City in the Garden
0: hmm. because
1: they do a lot of, greenery with the so it's like new york but with a bunch of plants (laughs) and trees and stuff all like on the buildings themselves like growing off the buildings it's really beautiful how they do that so yeah it was an incredible time
0: cool oh well thanks so much for your time i know you've got a lot of different projects you're working on so it was really fun to catch up with you today and hear more about in pursuit of jesus
1: thank you for having me. And, uh, it's always a pleasure to to talk with you. So thanks. Cool.
0: Until next time.